Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 19, The Power of Hoodoo, with author, artist, herbalist, hoodoo, and general all-around wise woman, Stephanie Rose Bird. In this episode, we speak with Stephanie about how she grew up in the deep country in New Jersey, what hoodoo actually is, what its elements are, and how to use a mojo bag and candles, herbs, stones, and roots to work magic for the good of yourself and your community, about her art, her writing, and her new product line with her daughter. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Stephanie Rosebird. Thank you so much for being on the Plant Cunning Podcast today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's really an honor to have you. So you're, you wear many hats. You're a hoodoo root worker. Um, you're an author of several books and a green witch. You're an artist mm-hmm. and an herbalist with a new product line. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to this path. Like, what was your childhood like? Um, well, I grew up in the country. Um, I first, I lived in an, a more urban area until I was, um, I think I was in first grade, um, maybe second grade. And then um, we moved to a really rural um, part of New Jersey, and it's Alloway Township, cool. and um, it's in Salem County. We're about we were about forty five minutes from Atlantic City, so from the ocean, we're um, less than an hour. And um, nice. yeah, I my father just like fell right into being this amazing country guy like he he hunted he fished he um my mother gardened Uh, they they both grew things and put them away in this deep freezers we had and um my father actually built our house from the ground so um yeah that's really cool yeah and he um was not um in a builder or in construction or anything and it's just something that he wanted to do and it's pretty amazing but while he did it um it took about two two to three years for that to be completed mm-hmm. and during that process we lived in a log cabin um Whoa. next to our house that didn't have running water or electricity or any of the modern conveniences mm-hmm. and um i think that that was like my first my really big introduction to living really closely to the land like we he rigged up a system so that we could shower um, from the lake and um, but we also in the winter months we would get water from the firehouse and um, I don't know how we had electricity but we had a little bit um, that was just like hodgepodge together Hmm. but um, you know, um, during that time, he made friends with some local farmers, and we would get um, our raw milk that way. Um, we would have um, 
we'd, he'd buy a half a side of beef, um, but we'd also have venison and um, things like that. So it was pretty, um, <laughs> pretty back to nature yeah. uh, when I think about it, you know, at that time. So then that was a few years into our being in the pine. It's an out, outcrop of the pine barrens. So it's not the main pine barrens, but it's technically considered an out, outcrop of the Pine Barrens. And um, that was my deep introduction to being living really close to the land. So I'm sorry, I'm, I sort of, I feel like I waxed on, but I'm, oh, I'm actually- I'm That's writing. the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we'd love it for you to wax on as much as you'd like. <laughs> I'm writing- <laughs> That's a really interesting forward, childhood. So sorry. I'm sorry, I, I'm writing a memoir. So I'm really, in closely in touch with those times at the moment so oh good i'm glad you're writing a memoir that's really cool <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm sure that for a lot of people that would be uh, difficult but for me that seems really like ideal in a way you know yeah it was pretty cool and it has carried me it has nurtured me spiritually um until this very day those memories of those times and um, the uh, lake was our front yard. So wow. um, and then behind the lake, um, there was a forest behind our home, um, adjacent to the home. And then be um, behind the lake where it was all forested and you could see deer coming down mm -hmm. for water and um, lots of birds of prey. It was really amazing. It was amazing yeah, that, to be able to a privilege to be able to live that way like when yeah. you're doing it and you're a child you're like oh my god this is awful <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that you don't have like neighbors you don't have you know you know what I mean but yeah. um I um yeah I eventually um came around to loving it and just like dancing for the trees like and things like that like I had started my rituals like pretty much as a teenager um, not in any kind of structured way. It was just like the trees uh, invited me to do those things. So I did them. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that was, that was actually going to be my next question is um, whether or not magic and root work was always a part of your life starting from a young age. I think it was, um, you know, I was always uh very like captivated by um, mysticism and, and magic and things like that. Um, I had a couple of, I guess, really instructive things happen. There were a family of um, young ladies, um, three who moved to um, our town to Alloway and they um, said they were witches and I didn't really know what all of that was about but we were in a dance troupe together and um, I, I learned um, what it was to be um, a witch, at least from a teenage point of view from, from them. Mm -hmm. And then I had, um, you know, I write about this. My, my grandmother was um, psychic. She was an intuitive. Mm -hmm. And my other grandmother, the maternal grandmother was very deeply spiritual um, and uh, she did some folk healing practices on her I believe it's 11 children that she had so um, 
yeah. And then my uncle, the um, Santeria priest, was very um, influential to me, being around him, listening to him. He always, he used the immersion technique. So it was like, I'm studying French again right now. So I think in terms of language, but he taught the Santeria language um, directly to me um, as though I really understood and I did not but I was just immersed in that mm. with him because he was one of, I had about a handful of favorite uncles, but he's mm -hmm. definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. So by osmosis kind of, you soaked some of that up. Mm -hmm. cool. Absolutely. So one of your uh, most famous books probably would be Sticks, Stones, Roots, and Bones. And that came out uh, kind of a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, could you give us and our listeners a bit of a history on what hoodoo is? Sure. Um, hoodoo is a set of folkloric practices that um, originally they were recorded by Dr. Harry Middleton Hyatt. And um, I think probably 99% of his informants were African-American. I think there was one, maybe two, um, who were not African American. I, I, from my, if memory serves, there was one. So some people call it an African American practice. Um, some other people beg to differ with that. Um, I see a lot of like a whole um, interesting interchange of cultures within the practice. There's some Native American elements, there are some Asian elements there. Um, some people have said there are um, things that mesh with the Jewish um, faith. I'm not familiar with that, so I, I can't speak to that. But um, it's definitely a um, multicultural group of practices that are distinctly American. Yeah. yeah. It seems very heterogeneous too. Like there are a lot of you know, for every practitioner probably does it subtly differently. Yes, yes, definitely. Because there are, you know, it's not a religion. You can't really be like, um, you know, become like a um, priestess of, I, I think some people become priestesses of uh, somewhat aligned um, practices from the African diaspora, like, like Wudan or some people call it voodoo um, and things like that, but it's not like one of those practices that is religious. It doesn't have religiosity to it. Although, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry that I have to make all these caveats, but there are um, like a lot of the Psalms from, um, you know, P-S-A-L-M from the Bible are a part, they're recited as part of the practice. Um, so, there is that, but it's not a religious um, practice the way I practice it. I'm not religious. So, um, and there are many other hoodoos like me who are not. I think, you know, in my um, somewhat educated opinion, I think that people, you know, we all strive to be accepted by the um, larger community. And I think particularly in the times when hoodoo was at its heyday, you know, from 
the late 1800s to early 1900s, things were pretty hard for black folks. And I think that they didn't want to be seen um, as doing something particularly dark or um, disparate from Christianity. And they had the, you know, incorporated a few, a sprinkling of um, Christian um, elements into it, but I, I'm not sure like how Christian <laughs> the path is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like eminently practical, like it's really mm -hmm. focused on, you know, the day to day things about like, you know, how, how to help yourself and your community out. Absolutely. That's what I love, you know, even like now with um, Black Lives Matter and um, the movement for social justice, I see a lot of that in the early um, hoodoo practices, the actual traditional um, stuff that was recorded from informants uh, and I just you know I treasure that that um, it can be so relevant still today yeah perhaps we're seeing like a second revival you know at the turn of this century yes yeah yes I think there there's definitely a revival you know I'm you mentioned Six Stones Roots and Bones and you know that was my um, book I read a lot. I've been involved in mysticism and um, magic for a really long time. And I always felt a little bit like isolated, like not isolated, but just like, wait, this doesn't really speak to me or um, involve my ancestry in any type of way or, or anything like that. And then um, I came upon Hoodoo and I was like, yes, this does. And um, I wanted like a seat at the table, not just for myself, but for my people and their practices. I'm a really strong Africanist. And so I like to see African-Americans represented because I know that we have deeply spiritual um, and apart from Christianity kinds of um, practices. And I was hoping that they could be celebrated and that young or new practitioners also could pick up the book and, and learn a few things. And it seems as though folks enjoy it. It's in the, it's in its 14th edition. And I'm really proud of that, you know, and I'm amazed. And I don't, you know, all of these years, I haven't been like counting away on my fingers. Oh, it's the, it's the fifth year. Oh, it's the <laughs> fifth year, you know, but um, recently I have, I have taken stock when my publisher said this is the 14th um, edition. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool. So what kind of changes have you seen over, you know, these last 14 editions or 20 years mm -hmm. or so um, in the practices of hoodoo in like the modern day? Well, I've seen a huge interest and you know a lot of the people are young um, but they're also like older um, people who want to practice as well from many different cultures. I think that one of the attractive features of Stick Stones, Roots and Bones is that 
it speaks to everyone and it's inclusive and it's not like, oh, well, if you come from that zip code, you can't participate. Or if you come from that faith, um, we don't want you. It's very inclusive. Um, and it's just mushroomed. It has gotten really big. There are so many, um, there are a lot of practitioners. There are a lot of authors writing books um, on the topic. And it's very, it's interesting that, you know, it has become, I would say even more diverse than ever, just in terms of it's like, okay, here's hoodoo for, um, only for spiritual cleansing. Here's hoodoo for candle magic, you know, this, this type and that type, it's become a lot more specialized when once people really didn't know hardly anything about it. And in fact, they were um, merging it with other paths that it has little to do with. Now, people seem to really un get it. They understand like what hoodoo is. I, I think I was watching a movie or something and um, the star like he mentioned um, hoodoo and talked about it like in a real way, like he was like on point. I was like, whoa, hoodoo's come a long way, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think you've probably had a huge role in, in that progression too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you started to mention a little bit with candles and different things, but I'm curious if you can go into some of the essential elements of hoodoo, whether you're working mm -hmm. with stones or trees or sticks and roots and bones, you know, so uh -huh. if you go um, into some of those elements. Yes. Well, I think that the central um, object that is um, very important to hoodoo is the mojo bag. And I look upon it as this um, reservoir and container for magic making. It is a very um, charged object that I feel has deep relationships and commonalities with different types of African sculptures and magical objects. Um, yeah, inside of it, you will find that's where these um, different elements that I mentioned in the title of the book are found. The sticks, which are, you know, just can be another name for um, tree bark or different parts of, of the tree. Um, stones, roots, really important to the practice and tubers like there, we don't really say tubers, but um, call them roots. Actually, the whole, like all the herbs are called roots. So, um, okay. yeah, and um, bones, it's, it's all in that bag. It all like fits into the bag. And then the bag has to be fed and nurtured and kept protected, like mm -hmm. either on the person, like mm -hmm. a nation sack where you actually put it in your bra or... Um, there are just a lot of different types of, of mojos. So do you see the mojo bag oh, as a, like, uh, does it have a spirit? Yes, <laughs> it does. Yes. And that's why um, it needs so much attention. It, it's something that you make um, individually for your different kinds of needs, like, 
for protection or abundance, prosperity, love magic. Um, and then you have to keep it up. You don't, it's not like this like inner object that, okay, now, now we're done with that and I can just utilize it as much as I want. No, it's something that you need to um, keep alive. You need to feed it and nurture it and um, keep it protected. So how do you, how do you feed it? Like with your energy and intention? That's one, that's one way. Yes. Um, and then there are different kinds of like colognes, like Hoyt's cologne, which mm -hmm. is like a really old fashioned um, men or it smells a bit unisex, but it's a strong and peculiar type of um, scent that allures the spirits to, oh. to come, come near, come nearby. Also, you can use um, shavings from, um, from stones and, and curios. So yeah, you just keep it fresh. Voids plays a good, a good role in that. Okay, cool. So, and then what, what's the uh, role of like candle magic uh, compared yeah. to using the mojo bag? So yeah, candle magic is another, just another element. Um, there are a, num a number of different elements and it's kind of like what you choose. What is it that um, speaks to you? Do you need the element of fire? Do you need more of the element of earth? Um, what is it that um, will bring the action that you're looking for? So with the candles, we also like touch them and manipulate them a lot and they're oiled, they're rolled into um, crushed herbs. So they are charged as well. They're charged and they're ready to go. You don't usually just use like a regular, a regular old candle. They are touched by you and they're imbued with your, your intentions. Mm. I'm also curious um, if you could speak a little bit more about stones and if there's certain stones that are commonly used in root work, mm. how to cleanse them, how to charge them. Yeah. So um, like I, I like tiger stone um, crystals, quartz crystal, and I will sometimes bury it in the ground on a particular um stage of the moon that correlates with what it is that um, I'm after, what the intentions are. Mm -hmm. So you bury it in, um, back into Mother Earth mm. for a period of time. And then you dig it up. You know, I'm talking like a week. Mm -hmm. um, dig it up, feel it in your hand and feel if the weight has changed, if you feel any kind of charge coming from it. Um, if not, then um, goes back into the earth and until you get the um, feeling that it is going to serve you well. And so um, the stone, stone magic is very crossover, pretty crossover with green witchcraft. So they're just like an array of stones, like if I could show you right now on my desk, I have two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 13 stones and a piece of petrified wood as well. So 
<clears throat> I keep them nearby um, all the time and am touching them and they've been charged, but I have my special stones near me. Cool. Yes. Yeah. So uh, what is, um, do you think you go into a little bit about like green witchery and like how that intersects with hoodoo or what your, yes. what it's been like for you to practice? Sure. That? So green witchcraft is using a lot of plant matter and plant magic to assist your workings. So uh, the kinship there is that also in hoodoo, we use lots of different kinds of plants from like even something as different as milkweed sap um, to well, you, you know, just all, all different parts of the tree. And um, why am I forgetting this guy? I don't want to forget him. Hi, John. Hi, John, the conqueror. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a big um, one. Yeah. So, but um, those, so like, in, that is very hoodoo, hi, John, and low John. But in um, green magic, I just see like, a, a kinship there and also a way of extending my work in different directions. Mm -hmm. I also um, ascribe to and practice shamanism. Cool. So you have your own mix uh, of various practices that you that you've put together over your lifetime. Yes, and um, that kind of person is usually referred to as an eclectic pagan. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty eclectic too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, why not? Why, why close yourself off is how I feel. But I know there are traditionalists out there that are like um, very dedicated to what they do. And I honor and appreciate that as well. It's just for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same way that I am, I'm a painter, I'm a writer, I don't usually, usually like in those different communities, you are a painter, an artist, or you're a writer, an author, like, there's not a lot of people that are both. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just like my nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I find that with myself, too, because I've got so many different interests. And mm -hmm. like, I mean, I, I, and I've just been getting into astrology, so I can kind of see that in my chart now. And, oh. <laughs> and I'm wonder, I wonder, like, you know, how much that has to do with it. Like, are you a Sagittarius rising? <laughs> no, I'm a Virg Virgo. Okay. And I don't know a lot about astrology, actually. I, um, yeah, I've turned a little bit of a blind eye. I know what my sign is and mm -hmm. other people's signs are, but I don't um, go very deep into it. Well, there are so many interesting like topics to get into. Yeah, you know? yes. yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I want to explore explore them. And you know, different at different times, things will speak to me, like mm -hmm. paths and um, interests, and um, what is the word? Um, not dualities, but um, modalities. And, modalities there we go yes um and they they will draw me in and i'm sure there will become a time when astrology will be more important to me and i will 
be able to, to discuss that more then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh, go ahead. <laughs> so so plants are a big part of your practice, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, I was drawn to them first as a painter, like my uh-huh. whole like senior year, um, we had uh, studio spaces. And I remember just like going to the farmer's market and getting different kinds of like gourds and squash and things like that and, and painting them and um to this day um that was many years ago now i paint flowers and pods and rush and grasses quite a lot because they have an energy to them that is um fascinating to me so i went from there to paper making and that's another way of using plants you know i did um not just cotton but like cattails and um, different kinds of things, irises from my garden and and things like that. From there, I went into soap making and started um, using natural dyes and um, plant matter to color them. And of course, all the essential oils opened up a new world for me. And um, yeah, just kept going and going with with my plants. I I love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have like, an incredibly green thumb though, I have to admit. So what I do, my husband said that like my part of the garden always looks like someone set a bomb off with seeds (laughs) Um, because I grow things that are indigenous to our area, which is the Midwest. Um, I like to grow like a cottage type of garden um, with wildflowers and, um, you know, poppies and, cone flowers and different things like that so that's that's the kind of growing that that I do uh, apart from the herbs cool yeah how do you use plants and magic mostly do you like add them to mojo bags or are there other ways you work with them um in the candlemancy so in the like you know rolling the candles and the different types of oils and um, herbs, crushed herbs to, you know, do a love magic spell for someone or a protection spell or removing hexes, um, whatever. So I will use them with candles in the mojo bags, absolutely. Um, Let's see, even like hot foot kind of magic that is using peppers so that's another and I grew a lot of peppers to to do my own um, grind grinding and drying of the peppers to use for for that kind of work Uh, it's just like endless it's endless ways of of (laughs) using it Um, and also like now um, I have started this new um, botanica with my daughter mm-hmm. and that is all plant-based as well. So we imbue it with energy and power and intention for the um, person who purchases it. But um, we like get the uh, materials from Africa, like from Ghana and um, Haiti and um, Jamaican um, types of oils and also you know Egypt 
all over the place and use them to, to make the um, different potions and elixirs that we sell. And it's called SRB Botanica. Great. Yeah, we're, we'll put a link up on the uh, show notes. Yeah, thank you. So you, you just started this uh, recently, is that right? Yeah, two months ago. Two wow. Months ago, um, someone approached me about doing um, a line. A lot of my children have been on me for a long time about, Mom, why don't you get this stuff out into the world? And I came up with 50 million excuses of why not. And I think when my daughter wanted to join me, like, the fact that there could be two of us. And now my son also wants to get involved in soap making. So with a group of us, I feel like with my really busy schedule that it's manageable. But that's like, that's, I, I'm always switching up things. And that is the tangible way that I'm interacting with plants right now. Like I've honed in on we we each took different specialties my daughter likes to work with um oils and i like the soap making so because soap making for me you know i feel particularly witchy and Uh, it's um, kind of an alchemical process yes it's so magical i'm making um some right now that's a head-to-toe bar so it's a shampoo bar but also a body bar and i used alkanet root in it um and uh, that is a really magical um root because in the soap making at the moment it's like grayish green, but I know it's going to turn purple because yeah. I've done it many times before. Oh. And um, I don't know that there, that is the alchemical, alchemical process that you're talking about. It's like, it's just beautiful, mysterious, yeah. the whole thing. So I am, I'm really enjoying that. I love having my herbs around me. I just bought a bunch of, um, you know, pounds of rose petals that are dried and lavender and the whole house. It's just like permeates the the house with, it's not only its smell, but like a particular type of energy. Like each one of them has their own energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like grinning from ear to ear, just thinking about it. Yeah. You know, at different times, you know, I get in, it's sort of like my, heyday you would think it would be um summer when the plants are in bloom and i'm happy then i'm happy i'm outside painting i'm collecting Mm -hmm. things to dry and so forth Mm -hmm. but what i really love is winter Mm -hmm. i love like working with dried plants Mm -hmm. and like stringing them around the house Mm -hmm. burning them grinding them up making incense um Mm -hmm. i think i'm a real winter person we have a lot of snow right now and I just couldn't be happier. Like I'm walking in it, and um, yeah, I really love it. So that's kind of why um, in December, I think in about mid to late December, I was on a different podcast, and we were just talking about winter magic and holidays. And yeah, it just makes me really happy. Well, it's kind of cool. We're uh, recording this on Imbolc. I know. Well, yes. Happy in bulk. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's one of my favorite holidays. If you look at my um, 
social media and that like it's one of the few times that I'm consistently saying like happy in bulk yeah <laughs> people are like what's in bulk I don't know <laughs> they don't know how to say it and they don't know like what it's what it is so yeah it, it's funny oh sorry go on well go ahead well, I have a friend in Ireland who, uh, you know, posted happy in bulk and she was saying it's the first day of spring, <laughs> but like in North America, it's still midwinter. <laughs> yes. And I feel like it's a time to start like planning and, and thinking yeah. on spring, but also we're still in the heart of winter. So it's just like a really interesting time that it's kind of heartwarming it's warming like to have fires like to have the candles going and fireplace bonfire like playing with the element of fire um amidst the, the snow absolutely it's gorgeous yeah we we spent a lot of time today bringing in wood from our wood pile which is just also a snow pile right now <laughs> some of it yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah keeping warm by the wood stove and um, yeah, last year we, we did, um, we made some Bridget's crosses and mm. had a few friends over for dinner, right. had can't like by candlelight and yeah. So this year, well, I'm sure we'll do something tonight together, but yeah. 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 Um, I was actually curious when you were talking about your product line and working with your daughter, um, what is it like for you to, to work side by side with your daughter? Well, we're, we're virtually side by side, but um, definitely, yeah, it's our company uh -huh. and um, it is wonderful. You know, I've been looking forward to the age that I am right now for so long. Mm -hmm. because it was like, I thought mm, at that age, I can come out with a memoir and at you see at this age, I chose to come out with this um, product line. I've, mm -hmm. I've never done it before so um, she's helpful she is different very different from me but she's always assisted me like from I'd say the time she was nine or ten like we would go and do um, house blessings together and mm -hmm. cleansings and and things like that so she's she's down down with it but she has a different um approach and sensibility to me than me mm -hmm. I think she's a lot more pragmatic than I am mm -hmm. but you know the thing is is that I really wanted to pass along yeah. my knowledge and she's like so open and um curious to um to learn what we'll sometimes we spend like eight hours on the telephone because I am teaching her a, how to work a particular type of herb and how to draw it out. So um, we'll cool. just spend all day. Yeah, it, it's real different with her and my other children. Like we're, um, we're very close. That's good. That's great. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's very nice. And it's nice to be able to have, you know, someone to pass on all your knowledge to. Yes, know? it is. It is great. I'm, I'm trying, um, like I said, I'm trying to draw my son in as well. He's always been captivated by, well, first he was appalled by the soap. Let me not um, <laughs> kid you. Um, because, you know, he had to go to school and he was smelling like patchouli and things like that. And people <laughs> were like, what is up with you? 
but now now he gets it now that it's yeah. become popular um you see right. <laughs> soap everywhere it's like oh that's what she was doing like mm-hmm. 20 years ago so um so yeah it's it's really cool to work with her and like i said we both bring different things to the table and different kinds of energy but at the heart of it all we're still like family and um there's a lot of love in what we do that's really great yeah that's awesome i i work with my mom sometimes when i'm i'm an herbalist as well and i make salves and tinctures my mom loves helping me out and she comes to the markets with me and she's a great salesperson because she's like beaming like my daughter makes these beautiful products so (laughs) i think like there's something powerful about a mother-daughter team yes my mother was like that too. Oh my gosh, she was so proud of me. <laughs> she died when I was 26. And um, that was quite sad. And, yeah. you know, it, it it was a sudden shock. She just like died one, one day. She wasn't even like having an illness or anything like that. And I think that it like, dry, it's a driver for me, both of my parents and um, their health like is a driver I know my father for example he had four heart attacks um four wow um how before he was 40 and one of them he had when I was alone with him and it was terrifying yeah I had no idea what to do um I dropped his pills behind a really heavy bureau so he couldn't even like have what he needed I thought I had killed him Um, but you know after after that I I picked up um Jethro Koss you know the book the Mm -hmm. book the plant book Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about no no I can't think of of the title it's very it's a very old book um I believe it's like I don't know it's written in the late 1800s or early 1900s and it's really thick and it just names out all the herbs and their properties for health yeah we gotta we gotta find that read yeah it's k-o-s-s and it's jethro okay um and um cool you know that was the beginning so his um unfortunately having those heart attacks i was like oh my gosh, you mean plants could actually help him get better? Uh, I need to be on top of this. And um, yeah, that was the beginning, beginning, beginning. I told you one of the beginnings. That is another, is just purely um, health driven and trying to help my, my parents. So it's funny how there are often a lot of different beginnings yes there really are and it's all it all depends on how you think of the story how you think yeah. of it but um yeah so um, so your your botanica now it seems like um sourcing your your the plants and the the, the things that you use in it is really important like the ethical yes. sense of that um yes. and also like growing you know your own peppers or Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever else so what do you see as like the ethics of like uh of the of the ingredients that you use like how important is that to you it's it's really important um again like i want people to understand that many healing um substances 
come from Africa and the diaspora. And, um, you know, I want them to really under, I, I've written a lot about shea butter, for example, and cocoa mm -hmm. butter. Um, I would like for people to understand that a lot of the farmers, most of the majority of the farmers in Africa are women and um, perhaps by default, but they're children as well. They're the processors of, of shea butter um, and many other substances that we all love. And so I, like I have some raw unrefined shea butter and I held it up to my husband's nose the other day. I'm like, look, can't you smell it? You, you, do you smell the African fires? You smell the fires of these women that, you know, because they process it over open fires. Oh. Yeah. So I just get, I, I, I'm mesmerized by it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's so much power in yeah. the source of your materials. Like you don't want, um, you know, I did, um, sometimes nature will teach you when you're doing um, something on the wrong track. In the beginning of the uh, manufacture of my balm, I, I don't know why, but I thought, oh, people are not going to like that like wood fire smell. So I bought some refined shea butter and you know what it did? It, it beat it up and crystallized and mm. the whole batch is completely ruined. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and it was showing me, yeah. Mother Nature was showing me, don't use that stuff. Like, yeah. use, use the real raw material. So like I, you know, my daughter has, she says to me, you know, our website isn't a book, mom, <laughs> because I, I like <laughs> write about like Abyssinian oil, like, what is it? Where does it come from? Um, why, why do we need that? I want to write about shea butter. I write rituals and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, for people out there listening who like to read, um, read the blog on there because I'm blogging um, quite a bit on the Botanica website because um, I want people to know the story yeah. The story and also like don't just like slap this stuff on your body like breathe on it like get your body into it get your body your hand energy into a bomb before you apply it to your body and yeah. let your body receive it in a um, mindful way so I do um, you know people are like hey where's your instruction sheet so I have to um, get that together, but that's what will be on it. It's not going to be like what you might think, like um, smear it on your body. It's it's going to be all of the um, spiritual um, and mystical aspects of getting your body to receive those herbs and materials, the soul um, from. And the, you know, I can't I can't get everything from Africa, you know, one of my um, colleagues, she gets a lot more. She's been, I think she's been in business for maybe 25 years. So she's getting a lot of her materials from um, Africa. I'm using 
you know, because I use like things like lavender and um, mm -hmm. rosemary that I'm getting rosemary from this country and um, things like that. So, but even that, even like my rosemary, I steep it myself and I made this like, to me, it looks like green gold or something. Um, not green. Yeah. Gold. yeah, it's just like gorgeous, like this deep, deep green like spinach, but it's in oil. And I use that in the hair pomade that I, I make for hair growth. So if I can't um, source it from different um, concerns and um, co-ops and women, then I also work it myself. So um, that makes sense. Yeah, it really, it's a really wonderful process and I'm so thankful to the goddess to um, have been given the opportunity to to bring out plants magic and share it with people like I really I'm really grateful I'm in I'm in a grateful stage right now as well like I'm just like that's that's where I'm at just being really grateful that's great mm, yeah um, so what does it mean to incorporate Ashe into your product line, as you mentioned on your website? What does mm, that look like? Yes, the potentiality. Um, gosh, like Ashe is everything. It's, it's, it's everything. It's really hard to articulate what it is exactly, but um, it's a in powerful intent, for example. Mm. It is being active, like not just like, like developing a recipe and rotely creating it. It's like breathing your way through it, breathing into um, the product to help it be able to heal others. Like mm -hmm. that's like the thing that Ase words and Ashe help do for me. So, yeah. It's really cool. And it's like, yeah, it's like coming from that place of gratitude that you were just talking about mm -hmm. too, it seems like. Yes, mm -hmm. most definitely being grateful to um, Mother Earth and we have to do all that we can to be protective and be um, appreciative and yeah. um, nourishing back to the earth the way she nourishes us. Yeah. Mm. Well, that brings me to another question about ethics. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like in hoodoo and in folk magic in general, especially lately, there's been a lot of emphasis on like uh, curses and hexes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and what what's your opinion or your, you know, what, what do you think about um, the ethics in, of, of magic? Mm, that's a really heady topic. Um, I don't... <laughs> practice hexes and curses so i have been hexed and oh my gosh it's like such a destructive degenerative horrible thing to live through that i would never wish that on anyone people have given up like earlier on and um my career as an author, you know, after Sticks, Stones, Woods, and Bones came out, people would write to me and ask for hexes and, and curses, but I think it's like pretty clear 
from all the whole oeuvre of my work that it's not something that I'm into. I'm into the positive mm-hmm. aspects of magic. So, um, you know, I can't really speak to it except to say that it's not in my set of practices. I am aware of them. And I, the, the, I guess the way that it is in like in 365 Days of Hoodoo, my most recent book that came out in 2018, is that I try to help people like mitigate and break it, like break the curse, yeah, um, things like that. So, and some people you are really difficult to deal with in life. So I think I have included a few things to sort of keep people at bay, keep them away from you. But yeah. those are protection spells. Right. Yeah. So like I don't attacking. Yeah, I don't do any of the negative work. Yeah, that seems that seems wise to me. <laughs> because yeah. whatever energies you work with, uh, they rub off rub off on you, you know? Yeah, they do. They rub off, they blow back in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not yeah, it's not really healthy. So I'm on the other, um, there's a whole like spectrum and I'm on one side of the spectrum and there are others that are on another, so. So speaking of 365 Days of Hoodoo, mm-hmm. um, that that's a book about like, you know, doing hoodoo every day, right? Yes. So like how, what do you see as the importance of daily practice? And like, are there rituals that you do every day or do you just try to, you know, do you, you think it's important more to just do magic every day? I think that we do do magic every day. And, you know, I think that like, you know, I'm not done with the curses. Like people curse you every day. People will actually curse you. And Mm -hmm. it's not like formal, you know, they don't have like a black um, robe on or anything like that, but they, people walk around and they, um, So I I just think that it's important, like in 365, I did an imaginary year because I wanted someone to be able to pick up the book at any point in the year and begin their year. So I can't like, you know, have like December magic or or something like that. But anytime you practice something daily, it's going to become a part of your yourself your your soul your your being so practicing every day is is important and what i try to do in that book is help people build from more simple or basic practices to things that are more complicated and you know um practices that might take three days, five days, seven days, nine days. Um, Yeah. So it's a building um, magic. And it's also like broken up into sections like, um, yeah, it's broken up into sections that I think are helpful for your daily life, like your daily practices. So I think some people use it more as a reference and they're like, hey, I need I need some um, 
anti-hex action or I need some love magic and they will just go to that chapter and practice there. But it's my hope. Like, you know, I was a professor for about 15 years and I did a lot of like beginning programs mm -hmm. and I use that kind of idea of building. Yeah. Yeah. From, um, yeah, from the basic uh, building stones to things that are, are more complicated. So it's my dream and hope that people will use the book from beginning to end um, and then become really strong hoodoos that way. Yeah, I mean, it's really powerful. I mean, doing doing like conscious magic every day for up just a month is, yes. is a powerful practice. But for a whole year, that's I mean, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, because then once it's a year and yeah. it, it becomes like your life and exactly. then you will just continue to practice daily. Totally. And then, you know, yeah. in your bones, how to do all these things and how to do the more complicated things. Yes. Yeah. And how to notice, how to notice things, how to notice what's off and, and get yeah. really in tune with your environment. Yeah. So how how do you notice um, or how do you know if you've been casually cursed or hexed and what do you do about it? It's listening, watching. There's a lot of like observation and looking at the earth. So instead of like looking at a cell phone or um, <laughs> something like that, like, like, take that gaze that goes downward but like look at the at the earth look at the path that you're walking and notice the um differences and what was different from yesterday and you will be able to see if someone is putting something on you from your door from it's pretty easy actually unfortunately um just yeah. things start going really wrong and you're like this isn't just my own normal things going yeah. on like this yeah. is something outside of me yeah but I mean like if a hoodoo is going to war with you like it's pretty unmistakable just physically like there there will be physical, physical traces ev yeah. yes evidence and and right. objects and and things to look at mm -hmm. my um someone in my family was um attacked recently and I just laugh because I'm just like what they attack you and my my close family member are they shitting me like um, <laughs> don't they know like, yeah I I got really um upset about it but I tried to again teach because that teacher piece is like a really big part of my personality then what to do like instead of going in and like fixing it up myself, I wanted them to learn how to do it so that. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah, that's really valuable. Helpful. Yeah, it's more, it's more important. So, um, so well, yeah, Hoodoo is like a really deep and um, mysterious and wonderful world. And um, yeah. yeah, pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So are there, um, to get back to a couple questions, are there like rituals that you do every day? Like, or is it more just like you're constantly doing stuff? Um, I have a lot in my mind. There's a lot like in, in my mind, in my breathing, 
Um, I do like a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga, and then I'm really into fire magic. So with my candles, gazing them, um, using ones with particular attributes, either scent wise or color wise or both um, to, to set my intentions. So, yeah. And then I have my um, mojo bag just always near near me well excellent we're kind of getting to the end of our time here so i was wondering if there's anything else um that you're really excited about that you're working on right now that our listeners should know about Mm -hmm. well i dropped out of the bag about the memoir um that's (laughs) sweet um and I'm really excited about that. I'm trying to be as artful as I can with it and mm-hmm. sort of starting from my really early life to, um, to now and where, how I got on this path and how I got where I am. So, but it's not, that to me sounds kind of boring. And there are lots of colorful stories in there. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty colorful. I'm trying to use humor a lot. Um, because it is something that I use uh, daily with people. Um, I seem probably like a serious person, but I do like to make people feel a lightness in their heart. So I bring that to that memoir as well. So I'm doing that. I'm doing just like I said, the making and actually making consumables with Ashe in them that people can have uh, for a really inexpensive price, I, I feel. And I, I, I like doing that. I like making things available to people. So those are the, the you know, it's called SRB, which is my <clears throat> initials, SRB Botanica. And that is where I'm putting a lot of my energy right now into writing. Oh, my. Yes. And my, I sometimes I don't like to let people know, but I have a um, book coming out next year from Llewellyn that is going to be on a really, I don't even want to say because I don't want like this idea to (laughs) find legs that leads it away from me. Like, but let's suffice it to say that there's going to be a very intriguing um, book coming out that's unlike anything that I've written in the magical world before. Cool. And, um, yeah. So exciting. Not, yeah. It's I'm not. Curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the just four... keep your eyes peeled. We will. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, I think the, the, the four laws to know, to will, to dare, and to be silent. Uh, it's good to keep, keep, you know, your, your special projects, you know, quiet to a certain degree. Yes, I think so too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I'm just enjoying the magic of the world right now. And of this Mm -hmm. moment, I'm, I think we're in an incredible time of, Mm -hmm. of change and every day. I I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I know like we have this horrible pandemic and I'm really trying my hardest to, you know, a lot of times I go outside and I don't even remember that um, 
it's there. I've caught myself going mm-hmm. places and I'm like, oh my gosh, you need your mask right. yeah. because my mind is elsewhere. And definitely I mask up and I have, you know, I'll double mask and, and that, but my mind is on all of these positive, like transformative ideas and, mm-hmm. and movements of, of the moment as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And the world needs that. Yeah. So yeah. keep doing that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being on the Plant Cunning Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Thank you, Stephanie. Best of luck. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers.